Hello and welcome to the PR Department Podcast. You're through to your host, Katie Braden, and this is episode 37. And today I wanted to delve into kind of true like PR behind the scenes, why we do things kind of vibe. Um, So I saw a tweet yesterday and it literally sparked the idea for this whole podcast. Um, So the tweet was by Louisa Gregson, um, who is a journalist, and the tweet goes as follows. PR asks if I'm interested in writing about a new food range. I ask for some samples to try. I'm not allowed unless I have guaranteed coverage. Sure, let me pitch a review of some delicious new food I've never eaten. And considering that it was about food, I just thought that was such an amazing way of describing how PR gifting works and why we do it. So I often get asked um, like why PR gifting is such a thing. Often when new clients come on board they kind of say we don't really want to do a lot of PR gifting. So I thought I would explain generally why we do it, how we do it etc etc when it comes to journalists and influencers and just about anybody who can shout about us. Okay so how a PR gift works really is super simple, does what it says on the tin, a gift for someone with influence. Um, So you send it to them as a gift And as I always say when I'm talking about gifting in general is when you give somebody a gift like a birthday gift, you don't expect anything in in return. And that is exactly the same with PR gifts. Like you don't go into it expecting an exchange because that's marketing, that's advertising. If I'm going to send a journalist a gift only if they can guarantee something for me then I should be placing an ad no exactly the same with influencers if I want them to be posting something in exchange for a product I should be paying them to do so and I think if you go about gifting with that mentality in mind then you can't go too far wrong so also when you are sort of getting into PR gifting maybe for the first time, something that is really important to think about is how much of my stock or how much of my budget am I willing to give away for free in exchange for essentially nothing in return because you cannot put an accurate ROI on organic PR gifting, so gifting with no finances exchanged. Um, And that, again, is how you should approach your uh, quantities. Because a lot of people ask me, oh, but how many gifts should I be giving? You know, what budget should I be allocating? You need to work that out as a business and you need to work it out in terms of how much product or how much budget can I give away essentially for free with nothing in return? Um, And whether that is factored into, you know, how much you charge for your other products or, you know, how you factor into your business in general, that needs to be factored in. I would never embark on like PR gifting with the attitude of I am only sending a PR gift if I'm going to get coverage in return. Um, 
I know that some luxury brands and some um, service-based businesses that have um, a service that is really expensive. For example, I look after um, like salons and when you go in for like a full color, like a scalp bleach or, you know, a blow dry, cut and blow dry, a full service, like that can add up to hundreds and hundreds of pounds. So that is like a high ticket service. So of course, if you're entering into that without knowing what you're going to get in return, that is really scary. Um, but again, in the instance that, for example, if a journalist comes in, has a full scalp bleach cut and blow dry, and they hate the experience, then, you know, there, there's, in my world, there's no guarantee of coverage. Um, even if the journalist guarantees a feature, so they say like, oh yeah, we'll feature you like at the last minute the editor could pull the feature or at the last minute the editor could edit down the page and cut that bit out you know like it's never one and done unless it's advertising and I really want to like hammer that home I'm like hitting my hand against my knee as I'm saying this because it's something that I'm really really clear and hard on when I'm communicating with my own clients because without being like a negative Nancy it is our job as PRs to educate our clients and also manage their expectations so I would rather to be honest them have lower expectation than promise them the world and then not deliver not from my own doing but because you know things happen maybe somebody doesn't like something or an editor cuts something at the last minute or a feature gets moved and then everybody's upset you get what I'm saying. So going back to the whole um, try before you buy sort of situation, if you are gifting somebody something, nine times out of 10, it's because they want to try it, right? If you're talking to a journalist, it's because they want to try it and bear it in mind for some sort of feature. So there's sort of two ways that this happens. So you either are in communication with a journalist and they say, I'm writing a feature on such and such like I'm writing a feature on curly hair for example can I try this product in relation for this feature so for me that is a really warm lead because they're writing a feature they have something in mind they're looking to include your client they but obviously they're not 100% until they've actually seen the product in person or tried it out so that is a really warm lead so I would definitely as a client and as a PR gift in that scenario then you have the other side which is when a journalist can call in a product and when I say call in a product they request a product so they request me to send them something um and they don't really say what it's for. They just say, I want to try it out. Can I have this? Et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is a little bit of a cooler lead because this is something that they will try. If they love it, they will bear it in mind for features that are forthcoming. But you won't always make it into a feature because sometimes a feature may not come up that is appropriate for you or it could take a really long time. Like I've had, for example, um, let's use a really clear example here. Like I look after um, a brand that does like protein keratin hair treatments. They're high ticket services um, in a luxury salon. So I've had a, a beauty editor, so a high ranking sort of journalist in for that treatment twice last year 
which we were happy to do because of, you know, who she is. We're now, I would say, maybe like six to eight months away from the last time she went into the salon. Um, and we still haven't had a feature yet. However, she emailed me last week to say that she was looking to include it in a summer roundup at a magazine that she's working on right now. So that coverage might pay off like almost a year after. So, you know, like that, you're sort of planting the seeds when you're giving the journalists these gifts and experiences. You know, obviously, you with all the hope in the world, you hope that they feature within a timely manner. But that doesn't always happen, especially like I work in beauty specifically, hair even more specifically. And, you know, it's not every day they're looking for protein and keratin treatments for a feature. So sometimes it does take a while to come back around so that that feature is, you know, there's an appropriate place to fit that coverage. So, you know, that's an example of it paying off in coverage, but maybe it doesn't seem like it's going to pay off initially. Like to the client, the the client probably just thinks she's taken the treatments and run. But for me, I know sometimes it is a longer game, especially with the journalists who work on the longer lead titles where, you know, they are working five, six months in advance. So coming back to um, something I really wanted to talk about, which is why it's so important for PRs to curate an experience from start to finish with everything they do. So whether that is sending somebody a gift or, you know, presenting an event in person or a digital event or any sort of, you know, gifted experience or product to a journalist or influencer, why it's so important for us to curate sort of every element of that. And that comes down to how we communicate at the beginning, how the press release looks, what the shipping is like. Like, is that product taking forever to get to the journalist? Because that's not a good experience. Um, Does the package get lost? Is it something that arrives really quickly? When it does arrive, what does the box look like? How is it when they open it? What is the information inside the box? Then the products, are they looking, you know, 10 out of 10? Is anything leaking? Is anything broken? You know, like all these tiny, tiny bits of experience that we have to really try hard to get right um you know when we're doing um an experience in person like how does that person get to the venue when they arrive at the venue how do they feel how does it look you know how are they treated how are they spoken to what are the you know smaller details like is there something for eon for them to eat on the menu do you have their favorite alternative milk blah 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 you know there are so many details and a good PR will pay attention to all of these because there's an understanding that this is all really planting those seeds of an experience that this person is having with the brand and trying to create a positive, exciting and on-brand experience every time. Um, And I find that by doing this, you know, by creating positive experiences, whether it is receiving a product or meeting somebody in person, those are the things that are going to get you featured because those are the things that people are going to remember. Like if a journalist opens a really gorgeous PR box, has amazing products, tries them out, loves them, you're going to have a way better chance at being featured than somebody who's like, you know, their products are just sort of flung together. One was broken. They were a bit dirty when they tried the products. They didn't love them. You know, there's all these factors. 
And what it comes down to is journalists are exactly the same as normal human beings, believe it or not. And it's really comes down to like how I would rank an experience and if I would recommend it to my friends. Like, you know, when I'm asked like, oh, if you went to this country, like what were your favorite places to do? Or, oh, you live in Liverpool, like what are the best things to do in Liverpool, et cetera, et cetera. Think about what goes through your mind when you go and pick those recommendations from your own brain like what were those experiences or details that you remember and they have really stuck in your brain to the point where you will then go out of your way to recommend that experience to somebody else and I think when you break it down you know from your own perspective what you would recommend to a friend as an adult as a normal person if you pay attention to those things and then inject them into your PR activity or whatever you're working on in your day-to-day practice, nine times out of 10, you will get it right. Of course, there are always factors that are out of our control, but I think if we pay attention to those details and that planning, um, then, you know, you're setting yourself up for the best chance of survival. No, coverage, I joke. Um... So, yeah, coming back to the initial tweet that sort of inspired this podcast, um, I've had loads of conversations over the years about PR gifting and clients being reluctant to do it unless they're guaranteed coverage in return. And whilst I really, really understand, like, especially when you have an expensive product, how daunting that is, you know, to be just giving things away for free without knowing what you'll get in return it's not sort of like case by case basis you have to look at it you know on sort of like a year to year basis because there's always an element of risk with anything that you do organically like a a PR who tells you they can guarantee you coverage is a liar um and I think that if you look at it in terms of like how many products you've given out maybe throughout a year and then ratio it how much coverage you've get gotten versus how much you haven't, like that's a really good way of looking at it because you have to factor in that there are going to be some losses. There are going to be some products that don't generate coverage. There are going to be, you know, a bit of budget spent that doesn't equate to sales like there has to be that flexibility so if you look at it over a long period of time and you think right we're giving out all these products and we're getting like 20% coverage in return then yeah maybe it's not the right thing to be doing and you need to change your strategy but until you do it for a long period of time and you see your sort of hit to miss ratio it's quite hard to judge um before the fact and what I mean by that is like if I have um a journalist calling in a product and the client is saying oh well no because we're not going to get coverage like that's sort of saying no too soon and I know that sounds really crazy because obviously (laughs) to send the gift you have to part with it and you have to take the hit and take the budget hit or whatever Um, but I think if you're trying to judge everything ahead of time you're never going to get a sense of what works and what doesn't work for you so 
you're almost like you're just never going to get coverage um also it's really it's just a fact that the more you send out the more coverage you will get in return because the more people you're going to be able to reach and you know capture their imagination and give them this experience um specifically within beauty like a product will do really well when you manage to get it into the hands of somebody and they actually try it um because as you know like the beauty market the hair market in particular is so saturated like think about like shampoos and conditioners like how many there are on the market um and you're sat there with a client thinking I've got a really good shampoo and conditioner if only people would just try it um so obviously the more you send out the more chance you're going to get of people trying it and then the more chance you're going to get of people loving it um that really is sort of the equation on that one but I would say for the brands that can't go mass in terms of gifting so things that are that bit more expensive to create and to produce um I would definitely do it on that case-by-case basis that I gave the example of earlier where you have like a warmer lead versus a colder lead. Um, You know, if people are just calling in samples for no reason, then, you know, obviously (laughs) don't send. But if they are, you know, telling you what they have in mind and if they have something planned, that is a far better um, one to go for. Um... But what I would say as well is um, you have to let people test things. So I had a circumstance recently where I sent a journalist a load of products. um, They tried them out and then they came back to me a few months later asking for more products. And at that point, I went back to them and said, you know, I love that you love the products and I would love to send you more products. But is do you have a feature in mind for this? because at that point you've already given them a load of things and then they're requesting more so you know it's all I feel like everything I'm saying is very obvious but nine times out of ten people leave out the common sense element of this work and they get too scared about like what is the right and the wrong thing to do or like they don't want to spend the budget and they don't want to part with the gifts or they don't want to tell a journalist no, or they don't want to ask questions. And I just think like, when you think of it from a really human perspective, it really all does make sense. Like if you're giving and giving and giving and you're not getting anything in return, it is absolutely within your right to say, hey, I'm more than happy to send more, but you know, is there a plan for this? Or can you feature this somewhere for me? Because it is give and take. Um, And whilst we can go into this with how I said at the beginning, where you're not expecting anything in return, there's a fine line between not expecting anything in return and having people absolutely take the piss out of you. Do you know what I mean? So you have to manage that. And I think when you're first starting out, expecting nothing in return is great, but you can't, um, you know, go on forever just sending, sending, sending products and not getting anything back. Like when you send PR gifting, every PR gift you send is an opportunity to learn and an opportunity to figure out who loves your products, who's really good at featuring them, who has a lot of opportunities where they can feature them. You know, someone who writes a lot of hair features, for example, for me would be great. Um, You know, somebody who's a really big hitter, maybe they don't feature all the time but when they do it's really great you know you learn all of these things and then you sort of make mental notes of right I'll gift that person again in the future or I'll not gift this person and I know that really contradicts like what I did say at the beginning about um 
not expecting anything in return but that is more how I would communicate with a client as a PR obviously you are gifting to give this person an amazing experience so therefore they will recommend to a friend i.e their audience so you know there's a culmination of information that we can do to make this a really like you know great seamless activity and to have the best results you know all of these internal notes and things that you're taking you know know of all the time are going to help you to be more successful quicker easier with less products etc etc um i would say as well when you first start working with a new client gifting is really important because it's really important to understand who actually likes the brand and who doesn't like I have a lot of journalists and influencers on my roster who I know they like certain things and we only establish that because of gifting and that's the only way you can do it so if you're going to like really target like your hardcore fans you know people who have shown their love for the product time and time again you're going to get the best results for those people therefore you can be like you can really like tap into people you know are gonna love it um so that's also really helpful and a lesson you can only learn by doing gifting I just got really distracted because I just had an email through addressing me as dear sir and I just (laughs) I'm just gonna take a brief interlude to say as a PR as an agent as an influencer as a journalist has as a human Like when someone has their name written in their email, like for example, my name is in my email twice. (laughs) So there's really absolutely no excuse not to just put somebody's name. I would even prefer hi there over dear sir. (laughs) I'm sorry, but that really just got me. Also, it was an email. I'm just gonna, this is a waffle, but I feel like, you'll appreciate it. This was an email from an agent asking one of my clients to financially support one of their influencers with sponsored posts, paying for them to go on events, etc, etc. And you can't even be bothered to put my name in the email. Are we joking? Like, it comes back to what I was saying earlier about how... um when we think of these things as humans like human interactions like if someone was asking for you for money or asking you for a job and they didn't even put your name in the email like come on guys it's common sense it really is um to be completely honest when people do hi there emails or even worse dear sirs emails I delete them because I just think if you can't be bothered neither can I and that's my attitude (laughs) any way back to what we were talking about um yeah so right back to the beginning of the episode that tweet about you know trying reviewing a food brand that she's never tried I think that really sums up why PR gifting and why journalists and influencers need to actually try products and have an experience with a brand is so fundamental to converting into organic coverage um you know when you're doing sponsored posts and things and people are trying it with the idea that they're going to get paid to create content great that's different but when we're talking about organic it really does come down to would you recommend this to a friend and if they haven't had the product haven't had the experience how on earth do they know it's good and why on earth would they recommend it to a friend and I think if you think about it like that 
all of your activities make sense. And if you constantly come back to that when you're designing new activities and new outreach, or even if you're trying to explain to a, a client why PR gifting is so imperative, I think it just makes sense. Um, I actually explained it to a client the other day in the same way, you know, like how can somebody write a feature about you unless they've actually tried your product and they understand how amazing it is. And as soon as I said that, they completely got it. And they were like, oh yeah, of course. Like if they haven't tried the product, you know, how, why, why would they even consider putting it in a feature? And that's another thing when it comes down to competition. Like if we go back to the example of like shampoos and conditioners where there's so much on the market, you know, you could have the best imagery, the, you know, the best pr press release, the most amazing press story, but the journalist is always going to have something front of mind that they actually love and use. And to become something they love and use, you have to give them to it, have to give it to them as a gift, you know? Um, like they're not just going to randomly think like, oh, that PR is really nice. She just sent me a really nice story about this shampoo. I'm just going to pop this into this highly competitive spot where I've got like a hundred other shampoos to consider for this one spot on this one page. But I'm just going to feature it because that PR is like nice. No, she's going to put the one in that she uses in a shower every day that was probably given to her as a PR gift and she tries it and loves it, you know? So... I know this all sounds really common sense, but sometimes I think when you listen to somebody else tell you what is common sense, it makes more sense. Common common sense. Um, so yeah, I hope this episode was helpful, insightful. Um, you know, maybe you learned something, maybe you're a PR and this sort of helped you have fresh eyes on your activity or helped you explain something that you were struggling with. And if you don't work in PR, maybe this has given you a fun little insight of things that we do behind the scenes to help get our clients coverage alongside blood, sweat and tears. Um, so yeah, if you have any questions or thoughts, um, do head over to the PR department podcast over on Instagram. I'm always over there if you want to send me a DM or leave a comment. Um, and I will speak to you in the next one.